This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's morning show, Now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. It's a Monday edition of AMI at the Movies. A few weeks ago, I was raving about how captivated I was by the Netflix documentary miniseries Trainwreck, Trainwreck, Woodstock 99, and I demanded that someone on our team watch it and chat with me about it. The three-day music festival in upstate New York was notable for its musical lineup and for the chaos that ensued. Well, film reviewer Kim Thistle stepped up to the challenge, and Kim is here to review <laughs> the documentary miniseries. Hello, Kim. Hi, Dave. How's it going? I said, I'm so, yeah, it's interesting that you, you know, your perspective on it, because I'm excited for us to change views. I don't even think 10 minutes will be enough. I mean, I feel that we, yeah, we could really <laughs> tear the, do this one a lot, right? Well, well, Kim, I know we've got 11 and a half, so, you know, we're, we're making some <laughs> progress here. Kim, let, let's start in the time machine. I was about 15 years old in the summer of 1999. Woodstock was very much on my radar, and I had all kinds of envy that I was missing out on seeing a bunch of my favorite bands. As you joined me in the time machine, was it on your radar? Not at all, and I won't tell you how old I was then, but I was pregnant on my first child, working full-time, and going to university part-time. So wow. Woodstock 99, and it, my father had been just, you know, diagnosed with cancer, so new no, Woodstock 99, what? what are you talking about? I must have heard something somewhere along the way, but no, it was not as you were. And, <laughs> and let's go back. I mean, the Woodstock, when they put the documentary, they said, Peace, love, and rage. I mean, wow. Like, we are not talking about the Woodstock of the 60s, right? No. Whoa. No, not at all. So the series casts a pretty wide net to capture different experiences on the ground from different people. What did you think of that technique? Did you feel like you were experiencing the festival through their eyes? You know what? I thought it was really interesting. I like that. I have to say, at first it was like, okay, first when I was given this task of watching this movie and I'm thinking three series, like three parts, like what the heck is going to, what are they going to talk about to make it even that interesting? But once, you know, my friend and I got into it and we watched it over three nights, it was like, like even after the first night, it was like, oh my gosh, they're out of control. And it was like from the first night. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I forget your question now. <laughs> it was. It was. It was about the way in which they told it through perspectives, yeah. oh, like yeah, through, through yeah. some of the security guards, through some of the organizers, yeah. through attendees. Exactly. So that was really good because, well, they. They. My apologies for losing my train of thought there, but um, yes, because they had artists talk, like Jewel talked, and the leader, the, the band member of Corn. Um, they had the, the promoters and Michael Lang. That was his name. And then the, the, the attendees, yes, I like that because I think everyone told as they saw. And they were not security guards. They were called peace Oh, patrol. yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They definitely uh, were not called security because there was very no. little security work done as it stood. Uh, Kim, there is some pretty jarring stuff that is revealed in this yeah. documentary. For example, one attendee talking about developing trench mouth after drinking tainted water. What horrible thing made you sit upright in your chair? Oh, my gosh. What didn't? 
like all I kept thinking was, oh, my God, if I had children attending this, I think I would have been like just out of my mind with worry. And and I know it's so bizarre. We're going to get to your 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 impression, too. But what you know what? Everything. It wasn't just one thing. I think truly the sexual harassment. I don't even know if harassment better word. sexual disregard, the sexual abuse. I, I guess it's better to say that we know a young girl was raped, the sexual assault on the women. I mean, how many babies came out of Woodstock, I, of this particular Woodstock alone? The violence itself, like you're showing scenes on the screen now, like different things that have happened. It's just, I found the whole thing jarring and disturbing. Yeah. And, it- and yeah, it, it it was something that um, that I, I I knew these details right because I was following the festival as it was happening and I certainly was following right. the news stories upon the festival descending into total chaos and the fires right. that got lit the night the Red Hot Chili Peppers were on stage to conclude the show. I mean, right. I found it jarring that that beyond the way that people had sort of really music festivaled pretty aggressively for a couple of days, that at the end of that, some genius decides to hand out 100,000 candles and then thinks, know. you know, like that nothing bad can happen if we hand out 100,000 torches to people on the ground who've been drinking for three days and already tearing this place apart. And did you not think, like all I kept watching as I'm watching is, how come no one is dead? Like, how come no one died during these three days? I mean, I, could, I mean, there's images of, you know, the mosh pit, pit and then they're falling on their head almost. And then there's images of taking down the uh, the big tower and, and taking the car and driving through a crowd. And all I kept saying, how come no one died? And did you realize that no one died during that event? Yeah. But after the show ended? There was three deaths, like someone, you know, leaving and got ran over and someone had a heart attack. And, and I can't remember the third one. But it was like, oh, my God, they were like no one. Like, why did no one end up in jail with this whole thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I Kim, I think that that's one of the things that the documentary does. It really lays out the fact that this was a poorly planned festival. Uh, I, I would even say that using the word exploitative from an organizational standpoint yes. was we're going, to, we're, we're going to understaff, yeah. we're going to overcharge people for basic necessities, yeah. we're not going to protect these basic necessities, we're not going to protect women, we're not going to make this a safe experience for people, not even like tangentially safe, right? Like music festivals by their nature are an adult place, right? So I try not to clutch my pearls too, too much about, oh no, there was moshing and there was dancing and there was drinking and there was drug use. No, that's a music festival. Like that still goes on to this very day. But you as an organizer have to do something to mitigate some of those dangers. Exactly. And it's almost like they were clueless about it or something, or or did they truly think that it was still the same generation that we had in the 60s that was about peace and love and harmony. I mean, in the 60s, they prepared the food and they gave out free water and they did all those things. This one was, let's sublet someone to do the um, sanitation, you know, the toilets, and let's sublet someone else to do the water and sublet the contractor for, for um, you know, the, the water, the fresh water they had running, plus sublet the contractor for um, concession, $4 a bottle of water, and then the prices kept going up, and this is the hottest time that is there. And then, oh, my God, wasn't it disgusting? Like day two, the toilets were overflowing, yeah. and they were, yeah, and then and then they're saying they're playing in the mud, and it's actually, you know what it is, oof, right? Oof, yeah, <laughs> yeah. disgusting. 
<laughs> yeah. You, if, if you treat people like animals, they're eventually going to behave like animals, right? And that's something that I actually thought the, the documentary could have gone a little bit further into, but the fact, because I do think there was a little bit of sort of generation shaming going on, like, oh, look at these kids in the 90s listening to aggressive music. Uh, whereas, like, look at these kids in the 90s who you put into a concrete box for three days and essentially tortured and then we're like well they behaved so poorly well you know maybe you can do a little bit more to try and like encourage positive behavior rather than exploit them uh kim so along these lines one of the things that i thought maybe was lacking from this documentary was maybe even a bit of a deeper dive into how important musically woodstock 99 was for the era pretty much if you were a big band in the 90s and weren't on Vans Warped Tour that summer, you were on Woodstock 99. Would you have tolerated an extra episode or two if they'd taken a slightly deeper dive into the wide, broad-ranging music that was available at this festival? Well, um, personally, no. I think that could have been another show. Like, there, there has, I haven't checked, but there must be a video of Woodstock music, of that 99 of the music. And as you said, you know, it was completely different music. I mean, they... I, I don't know. We can almost discuss about the, the 90s and the generation. And in some way, me watching it, and I know this, I'm not going to be very popular. For me, it felt like in a way, yes, all those terrible factors, but the way that the kids reacted was a bit excessive in a sense. Like, And then they thought, yes, there is a shaming of the, the 90s youth. But part of me, I came out thinking, yeah, they were a bit entitled and, and arrogant. And I'm, I'm really trying to find that balance of not blaming them because, yes, the, the producers and the organizers had to take on so much. But it, 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 I'm struggling with that part, feeling that, you know, that this was the way that they had to um, solve their problem. Yeah. And yeah. I know it, we're igniting them as they're going through. Like you said, we're being more, it's a different generation as well. Like you said, the mosh piece is a different thing from the, um, Woodstock 69. We know that there's more different kinds of drugs, there's more alcohol, but they came in there in a, almost angry in a sense. And I don't know if that's fair enough to say. I mean, who's the favorite band they're all waiting for it was Corn. For me, I would say, have that separate video, not add it on this. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I do also think that we maybe romanticize Woodstock 69 a little bit. Like, to, to, like there was a lot of group sex going on there with people yeah. under the influence. With a very modern lens on that, like, there was sexual assault happening at Woodstock 69 as well. So it's really important not to overly romanticize these things and say, in 1969, nothing bad happened at that festival. Exactly. We were all just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was born during that generation, but you're right. We cannot say that, you know, yes, it was just very um, un uneventful. Kim, this was a very busy documentary miniseries over the course of these two hours. How was the described video? The described, in the beginning, the first show, I was a bit disappointed because they said um, images of Woodstock 69. And that was it. They didn't tell me what the images were. But as it went along, I felt that either I was getting more adjusted to the video, the, the, you know, the three part. I felt that they did get a bit better. You know, they did say, you know, the band member dancing naked and the tower being torn down. You know, you was climbing the tower and the, the pieces of wood coming down. So it, I felt it got a bit better as it went along. 
How about you? What did you feel? Did I, you feel that you, you got the whole experience? So, so I didn't need to watch it with the Scrabby video because of the uh, the limited vision that I have. So I, I, I felt like there was a lot there, though. It moved fast. They were moving on yes. contributors quickly. There were a lot of voices yeah. being brought in. So it's one of those things where I think Amy Amanti always kind of says, sometimes I have to watch these things twice when they move this quick. And this one was definitely this was a music yeah. video and a documentary and utter chaos. And I can see where yeah. this is one where you need really, really good, well-detailed described video. Yeah. And, it, and you weren't able to give like the true de- I felt there was a little bit more that they could have told us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Kim, we've only got 30 seconds here, but do you recommend yeah. someone taking the two hours and watching the miniseries? And well, I felt it was three hours. So <laughs> I think it's your generation truly would enjoy it, you know, or, or anybody who's a music buff, you know, someone who enjoys the experiences of black concerts or how things are put together. I think that would be people for yeah. to really yeah. appreciate. Kim, thank you for this. We appreciate it. So glad to have you back on the show. <laughs> Just glad to be back. Thanks. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.